This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 103. Joe at Calabrese here, folks. I'm happy that you've joined me for my podcast today. You're in for a treat. From my virtual classroom, I'm privileged to see how homeopathy is transforming lives all over the globe. Their successes inspire me. They're glorious and powerful, and I can't keep their triumphs a secret. I want you to hear the excitement my students experience too, so you can be inspired by the unique stories. So with the help from Kate, my reporter, I bring you a podcast series I call Moms with Moxie. Sometimes we even interview dads with audacity or teens with tenacity. See how regular mothers and others, average folks who love healing those around them have gone from freaking to fabulous by simply applying what they've learned using what I call practical homeopathy. and I want to welcome you back to the Practical Homeopathy podcast. Today I have a mom with Moxie with me and her name is Lida and she's going to share with us a lot of information but something I wanted you to know up front so you're ready to take notes is that she's going to talk about animals today because she's very educated and has a lot of experience on using homeopathic medicines with the animals on her farm. So for those of you who have a farm or just Animals, be ready to take some notes. All right, Lida, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on, and it's quite an honor. Oh, we're so glad to have you. I'm excited for you to share with the listeners of this podcast because you have some pretty amazing stories, and one in particular I'm thinking of, but we'll get to that in a little. First, I want you to tell us about yourself. Okay. We live in western Colorado, just outside of Grand Junction. My husband and I have been married 27 years. We have five kids, uh, four boys and a girl, ranging in age from 11 to 25. My husband's been in the printing business for 30 years, but he's just this next week transitioning into a real estate job, so that's exciting. He's very supportive of me and everything I take on, especially homeopathy. He's been very helpful in that. Um, We have the farm where we raise herfords and chickens, Jersey cows, sheep, turkeys, hens and a really big garden. And we also raise Australian Shepherd and Great Pyrenees puppies. So we're very busy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know how you do it all. And I love those Pyrenees. We talked about this earlier, but we had a Great Pyrenees and they're amazing dogs. They are. They're very different than any other dog I've ever been around. Mm -hmm. You use them as protection for your other animals. Yes, we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're amazing. Well, it sounds like you have a very busy life. I'd love to hear about your day. What does your day look like? Oh, goodness. I start the day out um, milking as soon as I can before it gets hot right now because it is so hot. And we grass feed all of our animals. So it's a lot of moving animals around to new pastures. We raise the meat chickens that have to be moved, which my son does that. Um, We put all our cows on new pasture every day, put our sheep on pasture. So it's, it's just a lot of taking care of animals. I raise pullets to sell to people that are young laying hens. And so I take care of those. 
I stop somewhere in there for a meal. <laughs> and I spend as much time in the afternoon in the garden getting that taken care of. And then it's pretty much supper time when we go to bed. <laughs> so, exhausted, right? Exhausted, yeah. <laughs> now, when you move the animals around the Herefords, do you use horses or four-wheelers or just walking? How do you guys do that? I'm just trying to picture it. Yeah, just walking. I mean, we have horses. My daughter shows horses, but we don't use them. We only have 10 acres. And then my oldest son lives right next door to us. So we use his 10 acres. And the cows know that in the morning they get to go to a new pasture. So they pretty much move themselves. You just open gates and close gates and and away they go. And so do you try to make most of your own food from scratch, like from your garden? And do you do a lot of canning? I do. I don't do as much canning as I would like just because of time. But yeah, we have, of course, all of our own different kinds of meats. We have our own milk and eggs and we do freeze and can as much as possible. And I like to make sourdough bread and just try to be as self-sustaining as we can. So what is the weather like for you in the area of Colorado that you're in? Well, we have pretty hot summers, dry. It's very dry here. That's the other thing I do during the day is a lot of watering. I'm watering something all day, every day. Um, and then wintertime is pretty cold, usually in the teens and, and 20s during the day. It's a four or five month winter. We don't get a lot of snow and we don't get a lot of rain, but we do have the cold and hot. Well, it's better than Wisconsin, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have humidity and I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> I was thinking of the cold when it gets below zero. I think one year we had three months that it never got above zero, which oh was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be yeah. very hard. All right. So let's talk about your homeopathy journey, how you learned about homeopathy or started to use it and found Joette. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. My older sister knew more about homeopathy than I did when I got married. And she suggested that I buy a Highlands kit, which I did. I didn't really use very much of it. Mostly Arnica and chamomile were the two that I used the most with my kids. Didn't really know that much about it or what I was doing. I did take my oldest to a homeopath when he was about a year old because he didn't sleep. He hated to nap. He wouldn't sleep unless he was in my arms pretty much. So we took him in. He gave him a calcarian. I, I don't remember now if it was calc phos or calc floor or which calc it was. It was just a calc, <laughs> but it helped him and he started sleeping better. And that was a real blessing. So that kind of sold me on more homeopathy, but I still didn't really learn too much about it until about four years ago when my whole family came down with the flu and I was Googling stuff, trying to figure out what would be the best way to treat us. We hadn't got flu that often in our lives. And so I just was trying to find some things to help relieve everyone. And I came across Joette's website and I put in the search bar flu, like she always says to do. And I learned quite a few different things to try, which I did. And it ended up being the best flu we've ever had. It was very easy. We just watched movies and just kind of sat around and got better. So from then on, I just started reading her blogs and listening to her podcasts as much as possible. Then I decided to do a gateway one with my family, my mom and my sisters and two of my kids. We all did it together, which we really enjoyed, but I wanted to go further. So I did the gateway two class with you and mm -hmm. really enjoyed that. And then I started purchasing the classes or the courses. I got the survivalist course and the antibiotic alternative course. And then I did the live ping course with Joette this winter. So 
I've been able to learn a lot in the last two or three years, which has been a huge blessing. I love that you did the Gateway One with your mom and your sisters and your family. What a great way to do that. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice to learn together. So are they all using homeopathy as well, or did it kind of stop there? How did that go? Um, no, they all use it. It's mostly just the easy things like Arnica and, and different things. Um, my folks are older and having more health issues. And so I'm trying to help them as much as I can with it's mostly structural things that they're dealing with, you know, pain from arthritis and carpal tunnel and hip problems and things like that. So they're very open to using homeopathy for whatever I can help them with. Um, And again, my older sister, she uses it quite a bit for her family as well. And your husband, is he supportive of you using homeopathy? Yes. Yes, very. He wanted me to use it on the kids. He, you know, was totally fine with that, but he didn't think it would work for him for a long time. But (laughs) we finally had a few successes and he's more sold on it working for him now. (laughs) Wow. So you have some older children and I know you've talked about your sons using homeopathy and I think it's really interesting to hear about that. So tell us about your sons and what they consider to be their medicine. Okay. Um, well, my oldest son, he's very open to it because he's had some good successes with it. He got rid of a bunch of warts with Thuya. He gets really bad ingrown toenails. If they grow into the side of his toe and he has to have a little surgery done on him to come back and, and they just keep growing. We're trying homeopathically to fix the problem, but until then, the last time he had surgery, he used Arnica before the surgery and he didn't even hardly have any pain afterwards, which was a huge change from the other surgeries he had had in the past. So Mm. that really sold him. Plus, you know, just colds and flus that we've, you know, addressed with it. My second son, he is a total overdoer. (laughs) He overdoes (laughs) everything in his life. And he has found that Nexmomica works very well for him. He doesn't really sleep very often. He'll go a day or two without sleeping. And he uses Nuxmomica when he has situations like that, and it really helps keep him going. Third son is the most hesitant to use it, but he had, I'm not sure if it was a strep throat or just an infection in his throat. It just started out with being painful and having white pustules in it. And he had that one evening, and I gave him Hepersulf, and the next morning the pain was gone. And by the next afternoon, the white pustule was gone. And so that really helped him to kind of see that it actually works. Um, my little guy, my 11 year old, I guess he is, he gets real bad headaches. So we've done the Belladonna Picric with those and sometimes just Belladonna, sometimes chamomile, it just depends on his headache, but we've been able to address his headaches really well with homeopathy. When you mentioned the Belladonna and Picric, that's actually Belladonna and Picric acid, and it's a combination remedy, a Banerjee protocol. And I know Joette talks about that on a blog. I just looked it up here and it's called sepia for Mother's Day, this time for headaches. So if you're prone to headaches, look up that blog because it has a lot of information about headaches and not just hormonal headaches. There's that Banerjee protocol in there for general headaches. I know headaches can be a bit tricky. So, I mean, if you're new to homeopathy, (laughs) it might not be the first thing to try to tackle, but that's a great protocol. So look up that blog. And also uh, two of my boys went to the March for Life in January in Washington, D.C., and they were around just thousands and thousands of people, plus being on 
six different airplanes, I think, and they came back and the day after they got home were both sick. And that was when coronavirus was first being talked about. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea if that's what they had or not. It was just kind of a flu type illness, but both of them came to me as soon as they started feeling symptoms and we got right on it. The younger one, he was in bed for a day. The other one, um, my older one, he was in bed for a couple of days, but they got better very quickly and with not a lot of residual problems after that. Didn't you say that your boys consider homeopathy to be their medicine? Yes, they do. We've always raised our kids to try to heal themselves. And since I've gotten into homeopathy so much, it's been pretty inspiring, I think, to them to do the same because, you know, the doctor around here is the last resort. So whatever we can do to avoid going to the doctor, we do. And they're all in on that. And so they really enjoy being able to use homeopathy. I love that your family uses homeopathy because I'm sure you probably feel like I do. And Joette says all the time that homeopathy keeps us relevant in our kids' lives, especially those who have grown up and moved out of the house. It's another way for us to share something in common and stay connected. Isn't that great? Yes, I agree totally. So let's switch gears, Lida, and talk about animals because you have a lot to share regarding using homeopathy and all the different animals on your farm. So let's dive into that. Tell us some ways that you've used homeopathy with your plethora of farm animals. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, one of my best successes was with one of my milk cows. We had bought her from a dairy, so she was a very heavy producer, and she started kicking when I milked, not very long after I got her, just mainly when I touched one teat. And I struggled with that for quite a few months, and she finally quit. And the next time she calved, she started doing it again. And so it was rather dangerous because she would try to kick me off the stool. She absolutely hated for me to touch that teat. And it wasn't like it was a pain. It was like it was a tickle, a very annoying tickle. And the reason that it was such a success to me is a vet never would have addressed that. They would have just, you know, said, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. So I went and repertorized her symptoms. And um, mainly the skin being sensitive to touch, I think, is the one that I started with. And ended up corresponding that with loss of bodily fluids. And so I tried China on her. And within two doses, she had totally stopped kicking, totally stopped twitching. Every time I touched it, that was the end of it. And I've never had that problem since. And that was just so amazing to me because I couldn't have ever fixed that any other way. Isn't that a great feeling? It was something that you figured out, okay, what are the symptoms? You went to a repertory, you looked up those symptoms, what medicines matched that symptom, and then looked up those medicines and matched that to what best fit your situation. And what a great success. You're right. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then, um, like I said, we raised Great Pyrenees and we have an older Pyrenees female. Well, just so anybody knows, because I didn't know this, that dogs do not go through menopause and they just keep getting pregnant (laughs) no matter how old they are. So I had thought that she was too old to get pregnant. She's 11 years old and that's really old for a Great Pyrenees. But she got pregnant and we didn't know about it until she went into labor and she ended up having two puppies, but she had an an extremely hard labor because she is so old and arthritic and lots of different things that would make labor hard. 
the first puppy came out just fine. The second puppy was blue and not breathing. Um, so I ran and got some carbovegetabilis and gave a couple doses of that to him and kind of did CPR with my thumb on his heart. And he started turning pink and got completely breathing and, and was in great shape. And we still have him now. He's a big old pup now that is just as healthy as can be. But that night after she'd had the puppies, she started going downhill very quickly. She got to where she wouldn't get up unless we made her get up. She would not eat anything, which is very unusual for a, a mama dog right after they've had puppies. She wouldn't drink. Um, whenever I'd make her go outside, she would go and strain and try and, and get up and go again and go again and go again and, and wasn't ever going, just constantly straining. So I came in and got my books out again and started trying to figure out what could be wrong with her. So I started with the urinating and the straining was the main symptom that I can see. So I gave her Cantharus 30 and I gave her some Arnica just for the trauma of the birth. And within 30 minutes, and I am not kidding, within 30 minutes, she was up walking around, eating ravenously, drinking, went out, went to the bathroom, everything, and was totally fine after that. I was just shocked because I really didn't have any hope for her. I thought she was going to die before the night was out. And it was just amazing how quickly she came back and had absolutely no more trouble after that. Wow. You saved two dogs within probably 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over how amazing homeopathy is, how it can literally save whether it's human lives or animal lives. It's incredible. I have new people that I talk to and they ask me, can this medicine help this? Can it help that? And I kind of chuckle to myself because when people are new, you know, they don't have the confidence yet. They haven't seen what you've seen, Lida, that homeopathy can literally save lives. Like someone that had an anaphylactic reaction to something and we are far away from a hospital. I have too, with all of our animals. I haven't had the opportunity to use it in a life-threatening condition with a human at this point, but I have with the animals and it has definitely been a blessing. Yeah. Okay, tell us the story about your Hereford cow that was pregnant and what happened. Okay, we had a, a Hereford cow that was about six months pregnant with her second calf and she had a vaginal prolapse, which is extremely unusual during pregnancy. That's not supposed to happen, obviously. And it just looked like a very large cantaloupe hanging outside of her. So I pushed it back in, hoping that it would stay. I had talked to the vet, but it didn't. It came back out again, even larger. And so he had to come out and he pushed it back in. And he said that because she hadn't had their calf yet, normally they would sew up the vulva area so that it wouldn't come back out. But because she hadn't had her calf yet, they couldn't do that. Otherwise, if they go into labor when they have that sewn up, it can tear them apart, literally. So he didn't want to do that. So instead, they place a pin that looks like a spool that thread comes on, only it's really long and really, really narrow. They go inside and the pin has kind of a nail-like head on it. And he puts that inside, goes up through the hip, out the other side on the outside of the hip and puts a cap on it. So it's like this spool that goes all the way through her flesh and holds it in so that it doesn't have that problem anymore. Well, 
he couldn't get it in exactly where he wanted it, so he put it a little further than he should have, I guess, and it affected her hip terribly, and she couldn't walk. So she went for two or three days, and she didn't move maybe 10 feet during that time, completely stopped eating. She was absolutely miserable. So he came back out, took the pin out. So now she has this gaping hole in her side. Uh. And he said, you'll just have to watch her very closely and make sure that if she goes into labor, take that stitch out. Well, you know, that was kind of overwhelming. I wasn't really thrilled about that. Plus, she was in so much pain already. It was awful. She was absolutely miserable, couldn't move, totally stopped eating after that even. During those two procedures, he gave her penicillin twice, I believe, and then gave me sulfa powder to give to her for vaginal infection, for possible bladder infection, for infection of the wound. You know, she just had so many possibilities of really being sick. So I gave her, I think, one more dose of penicillin. I gave her two or three doses of the sulfa, and she just got sicker. And I mean, she got really sick. I believe she had a fever. She looked like she felt bad all the time. She got a very snotty nose. All the skin came off her nose. She was just in awful shape. You know, she couldn't move. She wasn't eating. She wasn't doing anything except just laying there being sick. I can get her to drink a little bit of water. So I said, you know, she's going to die. Why not just experiment a little bit? So I took her off all the drugs and I started her on pyrogenium and hyper-R's combination, the Benergy protocol for infection as well. Um, I was alternating those every two or three hours for the first, oh, two or three days probably. And by the fourth day, she started eating, which I was absolutely shocked. But she licked up some grain that had molasses on it. That's the only thing I could get her to eat. And gradually she came back. She started eating hay. She started drinking lots of water. She started going, (laughs) which she hadn't really done much of that. And just feeling better. Her nose cleared up and all the skin came off and and she got new skin on her nose. Um, She was able to start getting around a little bit. So I did that for probably two or three weeks, spacing it out, like Joette says to do. As she got better, I spaced it out to where I was just giving it to her a couple times a day. And she had a really bad vaginal discharge, of course, too, which was what I was most concerned about. Um, That all cleared up. I packed the hole in her side with cayenne pepper, which is not homeopathic, but it's a really good thing to know because it was getting maggots in it. So I packed that in there twice and killed all the maggots and it stimulated that hole to heal. So she didn't get, you know, other infection from that as well. And she got better. And I was just amazed because the drugs were bringing her down and the homeopathy brought her out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then after we finally got the infection conquered, I started her on Hypericum and Arnica, both 200, alternating those. That all happened in April. And today, you could look at her. She hasn't gained back all of her weight, but she looks pretty much normal. She doesn't even hardly limp. It's just been an amazing story. Um, She'd never lost the calf, but we are beginning to think now that it's mummified in her because she never had the calf. She probably should have had it by now. So that's our next thing to conquer is to try to get that figured out what's going on there. But just the fact that she lived through that was to me, the best testament to homeopathy that I have ever seen. I could not believe that we conquered that horrible infection and illness that she had. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so those who are listening can visualize this. How are you giving these sick cows the remedies? What method do you use? Well, I buy little brown glass spray bottles. I get them on Amazon. You can get a whole package of them so that I can do lots of different remedies for different ailments that we have. And I fill them about a third full of vodka. And then I put three or four pellets of whatever remedy that I'm wanting to use. And I shake that up and let it dissolve. Then I add water to that to the top. And then every time I use it, I succuss it about 10 times. And then for our cows, I can either spray it on their nose, which they hate. So it's hard to do that. Or their vulva, you just open up their vulva and you spray it into there. And that's what I did with her the entire time. Thankfully, she was crippled enough that she couldn't get away from me. So (laughs) I was able to to treat her very easily. But that's how we do it on the cows. Or if it's something that I'm wanting to treat the whole herd, like I give them a pink eye nosode because herds get pink eye really bad. I can just put a capsule of a liquid remedy into their trough, which I do get some liquid remedies from a company in New Zealand. It's called Natural Pet, and they have remedies for cows and chickens and dogs and cats and horses and the, the whole gamut. And they come in liquid, so they're very easy to administer, whether you have to spray it or pour it into their water or whatever. We find that's the best way to administer it to animals. Now, when you were talking about succussing earlier, you basically just take the bottle of your remedy and you hit it on your hand a few times. Is that what you do? Yes. I've read that succussing a liquid remedy is a good thing to do every time you administer it. I just actually administered a homeopathic medicine to our cat the other day. And what I did, as you can imagine, giving a remedy to a cat is not easy unless you... (laughs) can get them to drink, but she was throwing up and throwing up a lot and she just didn't want to drink anything. So I put a few pellets into a little paper cup and put water in there and let those dissolve. And then I just dipped my finger in the water and then kind of stuck my finger in her mouth a little bit on her gums. Of course she didn't like it, but I could do that for two seconds, you know, and get away with Uh it. Um, And she was better after that. She didn't throw up anymore and she felt fine. So it must've worked. (laughs) I didn't have a spray bottle, so I had to come up with something else. They don't like the spray bottle. I try to give it to the dogs and they don't care for it too much. Our dogs actually love homeopathy. They'll come when I call them and they sit there and I just open their mouth, dump the pellets in their mouth and like put my hand under their chin gently a little bit so they don't, you know, tip their head down and then it just falls right out. But they love the homeopathy. So that's great. Yeah, they think it's a treat. (laughs) And for your chickens, you said you just put the homeopathy in the water. Yes. And speaking of chickens, you have a great homeopathy story with your pullets. So tell us about that. Yes, I get um, pullets about 100 at a time, which shipping that many little tiny chickies is kind of stressful for them. They put them in one big box, but they divide them into four sections. So they're not all in there together, but it's, it's pretty stressful. We get our chickies from Ohio. So they come a long way, but usually they're here within 24 to 36 hours. And I take them out. I give each one of them a drink, which I have aconite in for the shock and stress that they go through from shipping. I have always had a problem with them getting a lovely little ailment called pasty butt. 
they get manure all over their rear end. It's like they don't eliminate completely. And so it sticks to their rear end. And then the next time they go, it just keeps building up and building up and they'll get a big ball of it on their rear end and it can clog them up so bad that it kills them. So um, I have been trying to figure out what to do about that. And one day, for some reason, I just thought, well, maybe next Vomica would help because maybe it's too much. They're getting too much stress, too much shipping, too much of everything. And being a digestive issue, I thought that would be the one to try. So I tried it. And before I had been having at least half of them get it. And, you know, cleaning off 50 little baby chick bottoms is <laughs> not a fun thing. So I was really thrilled with that. I had maybe five or 10 that got it. And I cleaned them off once and then that was it and they didn't have it anymore. So that was a, a really good find because it saved me a lot of time, hassle and not having to do a stinky job. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because I would imagine you don't want to spend your day cleaning off chicken bottoms. No. <laughs> You'd rather be out in the garden. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's do one more story about your great Pyrenees and then we'll wrap up the podcast with some great advice that you have for everyone. Okay. Um, our male great Pyrenees started walking around one day with his head hanging low and just acting like he didn't feel good at all. I couldn't figure out what was the matter with him. He went two or three days that way. We had our large animal vet out for one of the cows. This was two or three years ago. And he looked at him and he didn't know what was the matter with him. So we decided, well, we're going to have to figure this out for ourselves. So we started Googling his symptoms and finally determined that he probably had a sinus infection. So I started giving him Hepersulf and within 24 hours, he had definitely made improvements. And within a couple of days, it was completely gone. So that's funny. So the vet didn't know what was wrong and you Googled, figured out the correct homeopathic medicines and he was fine. Way to yeah. go. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your animal stories with us. I know I've gotten some great tips. So I want to wrap up the podcast by you sharing with us some of your, what you called keys to success with homeopathy. So share that with us, Lida. Okay. One thing is definitely to catch things early. Before they get a real stronghold on an animal or person or whatever, it's so much easier to treat it, you know, if they're not deep into the problem already. And the best way to do that is just constant observation, which being on a farm and being around the animals all the time, you know, I'm with them every day. I see them through the window. I'm with them, you know, whatever. I'm watching the animals pretty much all day. And so when they do something different, I know immediately that something's not right and can get right on it. And I have definitely found that that is the easiest and the best way to treat it is to just, as soon as you see that something isn't right, figure it out and get on it. And it's helped me many times. So your first key was catch it at the beginning. And the second key, which kind of goes along with that is observation and we talk about that a lot in the gateway to homeopathy study groups, um, really watching and seeing what's going on, like you just said, is so important. So those are two keys. What would be your third key to success? Duet. <laughs> <laughs> I could not have done it without Duet because she has taught me so much beyond protocols. You know, the protocols are great. I love having those to, you know, quick reference and go to, but she has taught me so much about 
just handling things, how not to panic when I see something wrong. I used to get sick to my stomach every time, you know, one of my kids would come up and say, I don't feel good, or I have a sore throat, or, or I just noticed that they didn't look like they felt good. And I would just go into a panic that, oh, they're going to be sick. So now the whole family is going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. And, you know, with a farm like this, it's hard to be sick. You can't just lay around and get well. <laughs> you still have to work. So when somebody got sick, it was always a very scary thing for me. Then Joette has also taught me that I can do this. I can heal my family. I can heal our animals. I just have to figure it out. I have to study. So she's given me the belief in my ability to heal. She's just taught me to handle life <laughs> better than I've ever been able to do that before. And I'm just so thankful to have her there. I listen to her all the time. I listen to her when I'm in the garden. I listen to her when I'm milking. I listen to her when I'm doing laundry because I don't have the greatest memory. I don't pick things up by reading very well. I pick things up by listening. And there's so many times that I have just, something has just popped out of my head. Where, oh, well, yeah, I know exactly what to do for that because I have listened to her and I have instant recall in a lot of things. And that would be my biggest thing to recommend to people is it just immerse yourself in it so that it just comes back to you whenever you need it. It's been such a blessing. And I just really am so grateful for Joette. I'm so grateful for Perry. He never gets mentioned very much, but I'm, <laughs> I'm so grateful for both of them for what they do. Cause I know that she couldn't do it without him. And it's just been a huge blessing for me and my family. Life changing. Oh, Lida, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I've loved listening to your stories and hearing about your bravery and how it's really changed your life. Amazing. So thank you so much for the time that you took to share with us today. Well, thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you letting me share all this. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can for free without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step -step training. In these podcasts, I focus on those students of mine who have already tunneled in and learned how to take care of themselves, family and friends and pets, and even livestock using homeopathic medicine. Many of these students began their education by participating in one of my gateway to homeopathy study groups. And now, after taking one or more of my courses, they're well-trained to use my specific brand of homeopathy. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and 
find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.